So, change of plans. I'm going to start reading a book. And this is kind of like an audiobook, if you want to call it. Um, the author of the book, of the novel, is Jojo Moyes. And the novel is called The Girl You Left Behind. I'm going to try to read a couple of pages. And I'm going to continue for the next chapters and so on. So if you are interested to hear about it and um, to continue with the story of this author, the first time that I have heard of she, it was when I read the book Me Before You. Um, or in German was called, the title was changed and was called um, Ein ganzes halbes Jahr. And in Spanish, it was like the same as in English. Um, yo antes de ti. Uh, and yes, the story. First chapter. October 1916. I was dreaming of food. Chris baguettes, the flesh of the bread, a virginal white, still steaming from the oven, and ripe cheese, its borders creeping toward the edge of the plate. Grates and plums. Stick it high in bowls, dusky and fragrant, their scent filling the air. I was about to reach out and take one when my sister stopped me. Get off, I murmured. I'm hungry. Sophie, wake up. I could taste that cheese. I was going to have a mouthful of rebocon, smear it on a hunk of that warm bread, then pop a grape into my mouth. I could already taste the intense sweetness, smell the rich aroma. But there it was, my sister's hand on my wrist stopping me. The plates were disappearing, the scents fading. I reached out to them, but they began to pop, like soap bubbles. Sophie, what? They have our lean. I turned onto my side and blinked. My sister was wearing a cotton bonnet as I was to keep warm. Her face, even in the feeble light of her candle, was lichid of color, her eyes white with chalk. They have Aureline downstairs. My mind began to clear. From below us came the sound of a man shooting, their bosses bouncing off the stone courtyard, the hands swacking in their coop. In the third dark, the air vibrated with some terrible purpose. I sat upright in bed, dragging my gown around me, struggling to light the candle on my bedside table. I stumbled past her to the window and stared down into the courtyard at the soldiers, illuminated by the headlights of their vehicle, and my younger brother, his arms around his head, trying to avoid the rifle butts that landed blows on him. What's happening? They know about the peak. What? Monsieur Suel must have informed on us. I heard them shooting from my room. They say they'll take Aurelien if he doesn't tell them where it is. He will say nothing, I said. We flinched as we heard our brother cry out. I hardly recognized my sister then. She looked 20 years older than her 24 years. 
I knew her fear was mirrored in my own face. This was what we had treated. They have a commandant with, the, with them if they find it. Helen whispered, her voice cracking with panic. They arrest us all. You know what took place in Haras. They make an example of us. What will happen to the children? My mind raised, fear that my brother might speak out, making me stupid. I wrapped a soul around my shoulders and tiptoed to the window, peering out at the courtyard. The presence of a commandant suggested these were not just drunken soldiers looking to take out their, their frustrations with a few threats and nuts. We were in trouble. They will find it, Sophie. I will take the minutes. It will take the minutes. And then... Helen's voice rose, lifted by panic. My thoughts turned back black. I closed my eyes, and then I opened them. Go downstairs, I said. Plead ignorance, asking what Arlene has done wrong. Told to him, distract him. Just give me some time before they come into the house. What are you going to do? I gripped my sister's arm. Go, but tell them nothing. You understand? Deny everything. My sister hesitated, then ran toward the corridor, her night gone willowing behind her. I'm not sure I have ever felt as alone as I did in those few seconds. Fear gripping my throat and the weight of my family's fate upon me. I ran into father's study and scrabbled into drawers of the great desk, holding its, con its contents. Old pens, scraps of paper, pieces from broken clocks and ancient bills. Onto the floor, Thank, thank, thanking God when I finally found what I was searching for. Then I ran downstairs, opening the cellar door, and skipped down the cold stone stairs. So surfooted now in the dark that I barely needed the fluttering glow of the candle. I lifted the heavy latch to the back cellar, which had once been stacked to the roof with beer, cakes, and good wine. Slid one of the empty barrels aside and opened the door of the old cast iron bread oven. The pickle is still only half grown, blinking sleepily. It lifted itself to its feet, peered out at me from its bed of straw, and grunted. Surely I've told you about the pig? We liberated it during the requisition of Monsieur Girard's farm. Like a gift from God, it has strayed into the cows, mindering away from the pigles being loaded into the back of a German truck, and it was sweetly saluted by the bulky skirts of Grandma Poland. We've been fattening it on acorns and scraps from wigs, in the hope of raising it to a size great enough for us all to have some meat. The thought of that crisp, crisp skin, that moist pork, has kept the inhabitants of the Co Rouge going for the past month. 
Outside, I hear my brother yelp again. Then my sister voice, rapid and urgent, cut short by the harsh tones of a German officer. The, bit, the pig looked at me with intelligent, understanding eyes as if it already knew its fate. I'm so sorry, mon petit, I whispered, but this really is the only way, and I brought down my hand. I was outside in a matter of moments. I had woken Mimi, telling her only that she must come but to stay silent. The child has been so much this last month that she obeys without question. She glanced up at me holding her baby brother, slid out of bed and placed a hand in mine. The air was crisp with the approach of winter. The smell of wood smoke lingering in the air from our brief fire early in the evening. I saw the commandant through the stone earthquake of the back door and hesitated. It was not Herbeka, whom I knew and despised. This was a slimmer man, clean-shaped, impassive, watchful. Even in the dark, I thought I could detect intelligence rather than brutish ignorance in his manner, which made me afraid. This new commandant was gazing speculatively up at our windows, perhaps considering whether this building might provide a more suitable billet than the Fourier farm, where the senior German officers slept. I suspect he knew that our elevated aspect could give him a vantage point across the, point, the town. There were stables for horses and then and ten bathrooms from the days when our home was the town's thriving hotel. Helene was on the cobbles shielding Aureline with her arms. One of his men had raised his rifle, but the commandant lifted his hand. Stand up, he ordered them. Helene scrambled backward away from here. Him. I glimpsed her face, taut with fear. I felt Miss Mimi's hand tighten around, tighten around mine as she saw her mother, and I gave her a squeeze, even though my hair was in my mouth, and I strode out. What in God's, in God's name is going on? My voice ran out in the yard. The commandant glanced toward me, surprised by my tone. A young woman walking through the arcade entrance to the farmyard, a thumb-sucked child at her skirts, another swollen and clutched to her chest. My night bonnet sat slightly askew. Uh, my white coat tonight, so worn, note that is barely registered as fabric against my skin. I prayed that he could not hear the almost audible thumping of my heart. I addressed him directly. directly. And for what supposed misdemeanor have your men come to punish us now? I guess he had not heard a woman speak to him in this way since his last leave home. The silence that fell upon the courtyard was stupid in shock. My brother and sister on the ground, 
twisted around the, the better to see me, only to aware of where such insubordination might leave us all. You are Madame Lefebvre. I could see he was shaking for the presence of my wedding ring. He needed half bothered. Like most women in your area, I have long since sold in for since sold it for food. Madame, we have information that you are harboring a little livestock. His French was possible, suggesting previous posting in the occupied territory his voice calm. This was not a man who felt threatened by the unexpected. Livestock? A reliable source tells us that you are keeping a peek on the premises. You will be aware that under the directive, the penalty for withholding livestock from the administration is imprisonment. I held his case. And I know exactly who will inform you of such a thing. It's Monsieur Suel. None? My cheeks were flushed with color, my hair twisted into a long plate that hung over my shoulder, felt electrified. It prickled at the nape of my neck. The commandant turned to one of his minions. The man's glance sideways told him this was true. Monsieur Seul, her commandant, comes here at, la at least twice a month attempting to persuade us that in the absence of our husbands we are in need of his particular brand of comfort because we have chosen not to avail ourselves of his supposed kindness we replace us with rumors and a treat to our lives the authorities will not act unless the source was credible i will urge her commandant that this visit suggests otherwise The look he gave me was impenetrable. He turned on his heel and walked toward the house door. I followed him, half tripping over my skirts in my attempt to keep up. I knew the mere act of speaking so boldly to him might be considered a crime, and yet at the moment I was no longer afraid. Look at us, commandant. Do we look as though we are feasting on beef, on roast lamb, on fillet of pork? He turned, his eyes flicking toward my bony wrist, just visible at the sleeves of my gown. I had lost two inches from my waist in the last year alone. Are we, are we grotesquely plump with the bone tree of our, of our hotel? We have three hands left. Of two dozen. Three hands that we have the pleasure of keeping and feeding so that your men might take the eggs. We, meanwhile, live on what the German authorities deem to be a diet, decreasing rations of meat and flour, and bread made from grit and bran, so poor we would not use it to feed livestock. He was in the black hallway, his heels echoing on the flagstones. He hesitated, then walked through to the bar and barked on an order. 
A soldier appeared from nowhere and handed him a lamp. We have no meal to feed our babies. Our children weep with hunger. We become ill from lack of nutrition. And still you come here in the middle of the night to terrify two women and brutalize an innocent boy to beat us and threaten us because you heard a rumor from an, an immoral man that we were fasting. My hands were shaking. He saw the baby's skirm and I realized it. I was so tense that I was holding it too tight, too tightly. I stepped back, adjusted the stroll, crooned to it. Then I lifted my head. I couldn't hide the bitterness and anger in my voice. Search or home then, commandant. Turn upside down and destroy what little has not already been destroyed. Search all the odd buildings too. Those that your men have not already stripped for their own wants. When you find this mythical pig, I hope your men dine well on it. I held his gaze for just a moment longer than he might have expected. Through the window, I could make out my sister weeping Aurelian's wounds with her skirts, trying to stem the blood. Three German soldiers stood over them. My eyes were used to the dark now, and I saw that the commandant was wrong-footed. His men, their eyes uncertain, were waiting for him to give the orders. orders. He couldn't strip them to strip our house to the beams and arrest us all to pay for my extraordinary outburst. But I knew he was thinking of Sul, whether he might have been misled. He did not look the kind of man to relish the possibility of being seen to be wrong. When Edward and I used to play poker, he had launched and said I was an impossible opponent, and my face never revealed my true feelings. I told myself to remember those words. This was the most important game I will ever play. We started at each other, the commandant and I. I felt briefly the whole world still around us. I could hear the distant rumble of the guns at the front. My sister coughing the scrabbling of her poor, scrawny hands disturbed in their coop. It faded until just he and I faced each other each gambling on the truth. I swear I could hear my very heart beating. What is this? What? He held up the lamp and it was dimly illuminated in pale gold light. The portrait Edward had painted of me when we were first married. There I was in that first year, my hair thick and lustrous around my shoulders. My skin clear and blooming, gazing out with the self-possession of the adored. I had brought it down from its hiding place several weeks before, telling my sister I was damned if the Germans would decide what I should look at it in my own home. He lifted the lamp a little higher so that he could see it more clearly. Do not put it there, Sophie. Helen had worn it. It will initiate trouble, invite trouble.
When he finally turned to me, it was as if he had had to tear his eyes from it. Looking at my face, then back at the painting, my husband painted it. I don't know why I felt the need to tell him that. Perhaps it was the certainty of my righteous indignation. Perhaps it was the obvious difference between the girl in the picture and the girl who stood before him. Perhaps it was the weeping blonde child who stood at my feet. It is possible that even Commandant, two years into this occupation, had become weary of harassing us for petty misdemeanors. He looked at the painting a moment longer, then at his feet. I think we have made ourselves clear, madame. Our conversation is not finished, but I will not disturb you further tonight. He caught the flash of surprise on my face, barely suppressed it, and I saw that it satisfied something in him. It was perhaps enough for him to know I had believed myself dumb. He was smart, this man, and subtle. I would have to be wary. Men, his shoulders turned, blindly obedient as ever, and walked out toward the vehicle, their uniforms silhouetted against the headlights. I followed him, followed him and stood just outside the door. The last I heard of his voice was the order to the driver to make for the town. We waited as the military vehicle traveled back down the road, its headlights feeling their way along the pitted surface. Helen had begun to shake. Aureline stood awkwardly beside me, holding Mimi's hand, embarrassed by his childish tears. I waited for the last sounds of the engine to die away. Are you hurt, Aureline? I touches his head, flesh wounds and bruises. What kind of man attacked an unarmed boy? He flinched. It didn't hurt, he said. They didn't frighten me. I thought he would arrest you, my sister said. I thought he would arrest us all. I was afraid when she looked like that, as if she were teetering on the edge of some vast abyss. She whipped her eyes and forced a smile as she crouched to hug her daughter. Silly Germans. They gave us all of a, all a fright, didn't they? Silly maman for being frightened. The child watched her mom, silent and solemn. Sometimes I wonder if, if I will ever see Mimi laugh again. I'm sorry. I'm all right now, she went on. Let's all go inside. Mimi, we have a little milk I will warm from you. She wiped her hands on her bloated gown and held her hands toward me for the baby. You want me to take Ian? I had started to tremble com convulsively as if I had only just realized how afraid I should have been. My legs felt watery, their strength sweeping uh, into the cobblestones. I felt a desperate urge, urge to sit down. Yes, I said. I suppose you should. My sister reached out, then gave a small cry.
nestling in the blankets, swaddled neatly so that you was barely exposed to the night air, was the pink Harry's note of the piglet. Jan is asleep upstairs, I said. I thrust a hand at the wall to keep myself upright. Aureline looked over her shoulder. They all started at it. Mon Dieu. Is he dead? Claire Farmer. I remember Papa had a bottle in his study from his butterfly collecting days. I think he will wake up, but we are going to have to find somewhere else to keep it for when they return. And you know, they will return. Aureline smiled then, a rare, a slow smile of delight. Helen stopped to show Mimi that comatose, that the comatose little pig, and they grinned. Helen kept touching its note, clamping a hand over her face, as if she couldn't believe what she was holding. You held the pig before them? They came here and you held it out in front of their noses? And then you told them off for coming here? Her voice was incredulous. In front of their no snouts, said Aureline, who seemed suddenly to have recovered some of his swagger. Ha! He held it in front of their snouts. I sat down on the cobbles and began to laugh. I laughed until my skin grew chilled and I didn't know whether I was laughing or weeping. My brother, perhaps afraid I was becoming hysterical, took my hand and rested against me. He was fourteen, sometimes bristling like a man, sometimes childlike in his need for reassurance. Helen was still deep in thought. If I had known, she said, how did you become so brave, Sophie, my little sister, who made you like this? You were a moose when we were children, a moose. I wasn't sure I knew the answer. And then, as we finally walked back into the house, as Helen boosted herself with the milk pan and Aureline began to watch his poor, battered face, I stood before the portrait. The girl, the girl Edward had married, looked back with an expression I no longer recognized. He had seen it in me long before anyone else did. It speaks of knowledge, that smile of satisfaction, satisfaction gained and given. It speaks of pride, when his Parisian friends have found his love of me, a shop girl, inexplicable, he'll just smile it because he could already see this in me. I knew, I never knew if he understood that I found it only because of him. I stood at gazed at, and gazed at her, and for a few seconds I remember how it had felt to be that girl, free of hunger, of fear. Consumed only by idle thoughts of what private moments I might spend with Edward. She reminded me that the war is capable of beauty and that there were once things, art, joy, love, that filled my world instead of fear and nether soap and curfews. I saw him in my expression and then I realized what I had just done. He had reminded me of my own strength, of how much I had left in me with which to fight. When you return, Edward, 
I swear I would once again be the girl you painted. And that's it for the first chapter.